0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, Apple CEO Tim Cook wants the government to regulate privacy and why Toys R Us might be returning to a strip mall near you. But first... Saving music, or at least letting us continue to stream it easily. Last month, Congress passed something called the Music Modernization Act, and it's now sitting on President Trump's desk, awaiting a signature that could come any minute. Once signed, this would become the most significant update to music copyright laws since 2006. And yeah, I know, that sounds super boring, but it might be the thing that not only lets the music market survive, but thrive. So here's what you need to know. For starters, almost everyone is on board. Musicians like it because a lot of them will get a bigger cut of copyright revenue, and there'll also be some people who currently don't get paid who now will be paid. Streaming services like it because it's going to kind of give them a blanket license for songs uh, rather than having to buy them one by one or just use them and hope you don't get sued. Plus, they seem to look like good guys to artists, which is always a benefit. Maybe you can have relationships with the artists and get them in your commercials. Finally, the labels like it really just because it makes their lives easier and because it could maybe even increase the number of overall streaming services. Uh, There could be some new startups that arise without needing the big money backing of a company like Apple or Amazon. The bottom line here is this seems to be a bipartisan win, 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 which is not something we see very often when it comes to Washington, D.C., let alone D.C.'s dealings with big tech maybe this is a lesson and could serve as a model for all the other problems that are coming down the pipe. In 15 seconds, we'll be joined on this and go deeper with Axios media reporter, Sarah Fisher. But first, this. Axios gives you the news and analysis you need to get smarter faster on the most important topics. In our unique smart brevity format, we cover topics from politics to science and media to tech. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined by Axios media reporter, Sarah Fisher. So Sarah, to you, what is the single most important part of this bill?
1: Well, really it's the fact that creators, so people who create songs, who uh, have ownership of the rights are finally going to get paid because this bill not only streamlines the process, but it creates points of accountability so that distributors like streamers have to pay artists for rights to distribute their
0: music. I mentioned in the open here that most people supported this. Uh, It seemed to mostly be supported by the streaming companies, by musicians for sure, but there were some exceptions. So for example, Sirius XM was, why did Sirius oppose the bill as written?
1: So it's complicated, but essentially Sirius argued that this bill favored distributors mostly of of out-of-home, so bars and restaurants in this deal more so than it favored them. It wasn't that they strictly opposed one part of the bill or another. They just felt as though it disadvantaged them a little bit. But for serious, what they ended up doing was digging themselves into a hole because they spent so much money lobbying against this bill that was seemingly unanimous in support that they kind of just looked like the bullies. Everyone in this bill, involvement had to sacrifice something, but because they were a little bit sensitive towards the fact that they were giving up what they thought was a little bit more than like bars and restaurants and even quite frankly, radio broadcasters, they put up a fight, they lost and they ended up looking like the losers in this.
0: And not only did they lose, they then go out and they agreed to buy Pandora, the kind of the internet radio company and Pandora had lobbied on the other side, right? So if Sirius had lobbied against it and Pandora lobbied for it and it's happening What happens now with Sirius? Do they just kind of flip and say, "Okay, this is good for us because we own Pandora?
1: I asked a lobbyist yesterday who represents the Mike Coalition, which is a coalition of essentially distributors in the music realm. And they said that it's unclear how Sirius will alter its lobbying strategy in response now to owning Pandora. But because this bill is likely to be signed by the president within the next few days, they consider it a fight that they've already lost. What they now have to do is think about how they're going to represent both of the legislative goals of a streamer, which is Pandora, and a terrestrial radio company that often is competing with the rights of like, out-of-home distributors like bars and restaurants. It's not an unusual problem in Washington. Many people have to consolidate their lobbying efforts when they make acquisitions, but it is something that they're going to have to face.
0: For streamers, if you're Spotify, you're Apple, et cetera, one advantage here is you get to, I guess, buy the so-called blanket license, although that's kind of going forward because they already obviously already are paying or, or have the rights to existing songs. So if I'm Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon Music, what's the big benefit to me?
1: Well, quite frankly, this bill, this sort of reform was going to happen whether they liked it or not. And the benefit to you in getting on board of this bill is, one, from a PR perspective, you look like you support the artist. But two, they were able to negotiate some very acute amendments to this bill that favored them just slightly more than if the blanket license had been overhauled entirely.
0: Is there an argument to be made here that there could be an added benefit here for consumers in the sense of you could now maybe get more streaming startups? So you think of outside of Spotify and, and, you know, Pandora, which is well over a decade old, most of the newer streaming services are coming from huge tech companies, Amazon, Apple, et cetera, that can basically use them as loss leaders and bankroll them. Now it would seem, and tell me if I'm wrong, Sarah, that a new streamer could start because it's much easier for them to get the licenses without fear of being sued. It's a little
1: bit more complicated than that. Technically, your logic is right. However, we have created a marketplace in which the big streamers like the Amazons and the Spotify's were able to develop such sophisticated masses of audiences and sophisticated technologies because they weren't inhibited by regulation, that it would be very difficult for someone else to come into this landscape and, quite frankly, topple them or even compete. And that's something that we think about a lot when we're talking about anti-competitive disadvantages and regulation. You have people who are arguing the exact same thing right now about Google and Facebook, that even if we are to create regulations that were to even out the playing field. These companies have gotten so big, it would be hard now for anyone to step in.
0: Sarah, finally, this was a bipartisan bill. It's going to be signed by President Trump. Democrats supported it. Republicans supported it. But one of the big drivers on the Senate side was Orrin Hatch. Explain why.
1: Orrin Hatch is a songwriter, and quite frankly, the music community has been lobbying to get this to Congress for so many years. I talked to every stakeholder in it, from the associations that represent the songwriters to streamers. Everyone kind of wanted this, but it was Orrin Hatch that pushed his colleagues to really take it seriously. And by the way, he's up for retirement. And so this is really his last landmark thing that's being pushed through. It actually, once the Senate passed it, they renamed it the Hatch Music Modernization Act.
0: Sarah Fisher, media reporter for Axios. Thank you so much. My final two on Tim Cook and privacy and the maybe return of Toys R Us right after this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two, and first up is Apple CEO Tim Cook, who last night told HBO's Vice News program that he believes the federal government must do more to regulate privacy. Cook has also accepted an invitation to address a European conference of privacy commissioners, where he's expected to laud their efforts, which so far have been a lot more stringent than what we've gotten in the U.S. But be smart here. This isn't Tim Cook courageously breaking with the rest of Silicon Valley. It's Tim Cook realizing he doesn't have the same business model as the rest of Silicon Valley, companies like Facebook and Google, so he can use privacy as a marketing tool for iPhones. It doesn't make it disingenuous, but it does mean we probably shouldn't give it too much undue attention. And finally, we've talked a bunch on the Pro Rata podcast about Toys R Us, uh, including how the fired workers are still trying to get some of the severance they were promised. Now comes news that the company's creditors, the ones who now control Toys R Us, have canceled an auction for the Toys R Us brand and some of its other intellectual property and might actually try to revive the whole thing, including some actual physical retail locations. So just to recap, these creditors take control of the company after it goes bankrupt. Uh, There were groups who wanted to buy around 200 of the stores from them, keeping it open, but the creditors said no, rejected those deals, believing they'd make more money by shutting the whole thing down via liquidation. Now, a lot of folks told them they were wrong, including members of management and the private equity firms that used to own Toys R Us, but the creditors went ahead anyway, put for sale signs on everything and shut it down. But now it seems they've reached that conclusion that it makes sense to keep some of this open and to maintain the brand. But unfortunately, it comes way too late for those who lost their jobs. It's enough, honestly, to make Jeffrey the giraffe and probably every other former Toys R Us worker want to scream. And we're done. Thanks for listening. And to my producer, Tim Shovers, and to my other producer, Adam Gracia, who just had a baby two days ago. Congratulations, Adam. We look forward to having you back soon. Have a great National Pumpkin Seed Day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another ProRata podcast.